Hello and welcome to the second part of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast, January edition. I'm James. Kev usually does this sort of stuff, but uh, I'm doing this in post-production because we decided to split this episode up in two because we spoke for so long, we thought we'd give you a little bit of half-time break. Um, The reason we spoke for so long, um, you'll find out in this episode as we had a bit of a long and heated discussion about some certain things, including... Uh, Luton Council's decision not to grant a lease for the Hatters Academy training dome facility. Um, we also speak in this episode about the games coming up over the next month. Uh, so without further ado, pass it back over to Kev, who does better presenting stuff than me, and uh, we'll get cracking. Um, let's look at the other end of the pitch then, Japs, because I can't remember when it was that um, Nathan Jones said it, but someone asked him about Joe Morrell. And uh, he basically said, in no uncertain terms, Joe Morrell's competing with Glenn Ray for replacing the side. You were probably at the press conference that it was, James. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with you. And I know you're a bit of a fan of Morrell as well. How do you see that little that little battle? I mean, obviously, Ray's kind of probably got an edge on him in that he could play centre-half, I guess. But there were a couple of games, wasn't there, that Glenn was indifferent with his passing uh, that that QPR game in particular if he if he had a blue and white shirt on he'd have been their best player it's it, it and I'm guessing that's where the question was born out from how do you see those two because every time we see Morel he offers encouragement but then we don't see him again for so long and, and that's kind of the problem uh, really is that it's very hard to make a judgment call on his best attributes when we haven't seen enough of him I mean you can Point to the first couple of games he had uh, in a hat shirt where it uh, you know, hits the post and a couple of good shots and stuff like that. But uh, he's simply not playing enough to get that get that view of, of what he's like. Um, and uh, I, 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 I can understand where fans are coming from when the comparisons are him and Glenn Ray. I don't think they're the same player from what I have seen. Obviously, uh, Morel... Morel's better on the ball. He, he just is a better passer and he's a better distributor of the ball. So um, there, there's that. Um, but what what Glenn Ray offers you, apart from that game that you mentioned where he had an absolute stinker, he's actually had another one this month. Which I wasn't thinking he was that great. Um, that Reading, so, yeah. Yeah, which sort of lends itself for the fans to say, well, maybe now you need to give Morel a chance. And usually you'd say, yeah, well, that that's sort of how it goes. Um, but it, it, it just hasn't been the case. So um, what? But back to the point I was trying to make, actually, was that uh, what Ray gives you is not something that stands out and not pretty to the eye, but it's effective. He's in there as a, as a bloke to break things up. And, and, and when he... And when he plays really well, he does it fantastically effectively. But it, it, it's not one of those where you, you you tend to ever say he's been the difference. What he does is he's selfless for the team. And maybe that's forefront of Nathan Jones's mind. You know, we, we have heard that he, he does play players that he trusts and he's got that trust from Glen Ray from a number of seasons. So... Um, he, 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 Joe Morrell's got that to overcome but if he's not at the same time if he's not given the chance how is he supposed to overcome it so it's a very um, you know, catch 22 situation um, I, you know, I, I would like to see him 
played alongside Jewsbury Hall, for instance, and see where uh, what the team could do then. Because the range of passing that the two of them got, I think, could be quite um, quite an effective tool uh, for Luton, especially since they don't score a hell of a lot of goals. Um, uh, so I, I I don't know the answer to it because I don't know how how Morel gets in or what he's supposed to do to get in really because uh, um, or whether he really is or you know if he really is that competition for Glenn Ray I don't, I don't see they're the sort of same player really if that's what he's being asked to do sort of be the the Claude McAlealy type that just breaks things up and pops a little five-yard pass for somebody better. That's not really Joe Morrell's game from what I can see. So it's a very... It's a conundrum, isn't it? Um, I, I just hope we get to see him a bit more often than we have, really. Yeah, Tony, I think part of the sort of frustration with fans is that Morrell's not even on the bench. You know, you see the likes of Tony Cliff and, you know, no, no disrespect to Tony Cliff, but, you know, you, you, you see the two performances from from those guys and, and again they're not necessarily the same midfielder either but you know we have nine substitutes and Morel very rarely when he doesn't start doesn't get on the bench either and it's it's just a baffling one because end of the day he's a Wales international that we went out of our way to sign in the summer and um, you know it, how, 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 do you, how do you kind of see it? <laughs> baffling actually um, you know as you just said he's, he's a Welsh international and he's a good player. And initially, although he came to Brist- from Bristol City because he wanted to play first team football, when he, he's not been getting that. I know a couple of times he's been left out because he's, you know, he, he's injured or he, you know, he, he's got a tweak in his hamstring or whatever. But um, you'd have thought he, he would be at least on the bench as a, as a, as a direct swap for Glenn, uh, if and when needed, because. I like Glenn Ray. Don't get me don't get me wrong, but uh, just lately you don't really know what you're going to get with Glenn. You know when he's on song, he's he's great. He'd be the first name on the team sheet, but unfortunately, um, when he has a stinker like he did at QPR against QPR, um, he's he's a liability. You know, and and you'd have thought that yeah, pull him out, put Morell in there. Um, I'm very much like James. I would like to see him playing alongside, uh, you know, Dewsbury Hall to see what he can do. Um, you know, he could play there if Brem was pulled back to centre-back or whatever. So there's nothing to stop them playing in the same team. I just, you know, it's like all managers, you know, you look at them and sometimes you think, what on earth are they thinking? Why are they doing that? You know, it just puzzles me a bit. Simon, how do you see this one? Is it literally a case of Joe Morrell's a better player because he's out of the team? Because this kind of question only generally gets thrown up after we've lost. Oh, and invariably, because Glenn Ray's in the side, he's kind of that scapegoat as to why we lose. I, for example, no one said anything since Saturday when Glenn Ray had a you know a decent enough game. Is it literally that? When you're out of the side, you're a better player? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it, that... You know, for Morel, as Tony alluded to, you know, he's come to Luton because he wants first-team football. He, he played more games for Wales than he had for Bristol City. And now he's played, I think, more for Wales, or started more games for Wales than he has for us since joining. And it's it's perhaps the 
personality and the character of a player to come through that. And he's got to keep plugging away. And I think, as James started on earlier, then and you mentioned they're not they're not like for like players. You know, it's not Morel or Ray because of they're very similar. It's they're in a similar role, but they're very different the way they play the game. Um, and whilst you've been talking and discussing it, I've been thinking about how not necessarily you fit him into the team because that's the wrong word, but how he could be used within the current squad that we've got. And one of the options that I think I'd quite like to see is when we've been playing the two more central midfielders, uh, then with the players out wide and one in front, is perhaps look at Dewsbury Hall being the player on the left, um, as he played on the left of the three on Saturday, and then having Morel alongside Ray as the two central, because I think they offer very different characteristics for what is actually the same role. So the defensive midfield role, Ray will get stuck in, do the hard tackling, throw his body on the line. Morel is then there to play the pretty football, the passing, the vision and creating of the chances. And I think with somebody like Dewsbury Hall out slightly wider than central, you know, to create the opportunities to give a bit more freedom, um, I think that could open up him even more than we've already seen from him. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, I sit and watch a game with a microphone. I'm no manager with tactics but as a fan we've all got our thoughts on players and what part they can play in the team and certainly there's a lot of people asking Joe Morell and why as a Welsh international he's not featuring but when teams are winning and you're on a good run it's difficult to bring somebody in you know out of the the cold so to speak Um, but at the same time after the QPR game yeah you're quite right there was the opportunity there where changes could have been made but as Nathan said in his interview with me on Saturday, you know, he's not one for knee-jerk reactions and th- throw everybody out and start afresh. It's You've got to trust the players that you've got. You've got to know that that was a one-off and therefore making too many changes can, you know, have an adverse effect as much as it can have a positive effect. So it's a tricky game, this football management business, isn't it? In reality, it is. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be on football manager, but I mean, that's uh, <laughs> neither another. I guess the one positive that can come out of all of this, uh, just wrapping this up, the one positive is if we can name 20 players for, uh, for a Saturday afternoon and Joe Morell isn't one of those 20, then the squad's looking pretty damn good, isn't it? So um, we'll leave Nathan to decide which one of those two um, should play. And if they are battling it out, then at least it's healthy competition. James, we'll stick with Welsh internationals. Because we'll go on to the transfers now that we're in the transfer window. What did you make of the disappearing act of Reese Norrington and Davies? Oh, very disappointing. Um, you know, it, it. You know, it seems it's since sort of come to light. It's been hinted at that it was uh, Norrington and Davies that wanted to move, um, not not Sheffield United. Which stands it's been more reason. than hinted at, hasn't it? It's been yeah, said it's, without being said. I, just, yeah, I think James has been subtle there, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's been slammed home with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was pretty much on the day he signed for Stoke, really, the, and the words he used, um, they're pretty... It's pretty I, I don't think he probably m- meant any malice from it uh, himself. He just thought that that's probably the right thing for him. But the way he said it, um, that... That Stoke were a better stepping stone to his dream of being a Premier League player um, was a bit insensitive, really. And um, you know, somebody ought to tell him that he is actually a Premier League player because he plays for Sheffield United. <laughs> He's just uh, not playing in the Premier League at the moment. But uh, 
that that was a bit un, uh, unsavory but then since it's obviously been um nathan jones has said that it, it was it was him rather than sheffield united which it, which makes sense because chris wilder twice said that he was there to stay for the for the whole season um I don't understand the mechanics of it still uh, with those reasons. I don't understand the mechanics of it because if, if Sheffield United want him to stay at, at Luton, surely they just say, no, stay there. Um, but they've obviously recalled him and he's, he's gone out to to Stoke. Um, I, I don't know what he's been watching for the last couple of seasons from Stoke that suggests that he's going to get to the Premier League with them. Um, considering they're only about what five, five or six, or the weekend they're only about five or six points ahead of Luton in the league. Um, but you know, he's made the decision; he's gone off. It's it's very disappointing in the sense that um, he has he had a lot of promise and he, he was improving. He was good to start, with, but he was improving. Um, and the fact that he's been at Luton and while he's been at Luton, he's he's become a full international. Um, does say something for for the club, um, you know, and uh, just link back to the, the the item we were talking about. Dan Potts, he has something that Dan Potts doesn't, which is a, a, more of a desire to get forward and cross the ball. And usually his crosses were quite decent, so they're gonna they're gonna miss that, um, Luton. But uh, yeah, very bizarre transfer and 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 very disappointing um it it'd be you know that is the one thing with fans not being in the ground that he'll get away with because i think he'll probably get booed mercilessly the next time luton players him. well he is at sheffield united so i'd like to think that we're going to be playing them next season something's gone on seriously peak tongue if we're not playing them next season so uh if he uh, if he is about, hopefully we'll be in the next season. Tony, how, I know season two years sort of when it happened and things, the disrespect kind of category was a bit chilling, wasn't it? I mean, have we simply lost a big time, Charlie? I think so. Yeah, I, I think we're better off without him. Um, none of the other players have mentioned him or, or anything. And, you know, I, I, again, it, it was disappointing to lose a player of his ability, but also it, it seemed to happen fairly, fairly quick. Um, and so you've got to question what role Stoke had in it, whether they approached him directly. Stoke um, wouldn't do such a thing, would they? Well, you don't know about that, do you? You know, not it's a Welsh thing in January, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah, it's um, they're not averse to tapping up Welshmen, are they? So uh, <laughs> allegedly. Supposedly, Simon, the um, the hole that he's left in the squad. Uh, obviously, we've gone some way to filling it with Cal Naismith. From what I can make out, he's not necessarily a left back, straight left wing back. In fact, if if you put him up on Football Manager, as I've just said, apart from the circle where the goalkeeper is, he has colours in all of the areas of the pitch, doesn't he? He's but based on Saturday, he's more than capable of filling in there. Yes, certainly. I mean, when you read about him, when we signed him, a utility player that, as you said, fills just about every gap bar, sticking a pair of gloves on. Um, So, yeah, great player to have within the squad, can be used where you need him, different places, different games probably. Um, But yeah, more than capable at that left back, left wing back position, as we saw on Saturday. Um, 
you know, I thought he put in a good performance. I thought he did enough for what was required of him without being a standout exceptional performance. It was it was a steady, you know, settling in. He'd only signed the day before. He's hardly trained with the players probably. Um, so, you know, to, to be put in like that as early as he was, um, I thought he settled into the game very well and showed what he was capable of and almost had a chance to score as well, didn't he, where it, he chested it down, but it was cleared before he could get the shot away. So, and I think from what I've read, he's equally capable of playing in a, a number 10 position and certainly had an eye for goal in previous clubs that he's played for. So uh, I think it's a great, from what I can see, I think it's a great acquisition. Um, the fact that he's so versatile and such a utility player for us. And a free transfer as well. Yeah, James, I guess the good thing for you and Simon is based on the interview that you did with Stu on Friday, you can actually understand him. So um, that's the first tick in a Scottish box, isn't it? That's not always the case with Scots that we've had um, down the years. But what what, what did what did you make of him? I mean, we, we all know about the performer that he was up against in Jack Stacey. And it was to his credit, really, that, you know, Jack Stacey was kind of unnoticed in the game, apart from the fact that, obviously, Luton fans were looking out for him a little bit more than other Bournemouth players. Yeah, no, he, he kept him quiet. In fact, Jack Stacey had to do more against him, really, didn't he? In that, in, in that moment that um, Simon mentioned, where he chested the ball down from Berry and Jack Stacey had to be alert to nick in front of him. Um, yeah, it was a it was a promising, promising performance. I mean, often when you get laboured a utility man, you're just sort of a jack of all trades, a master of none, isn't you? So hopefully, you can nail down a particular a place. And perhaps that left side is is for him, not necessarily uh, fullback, but um, maybe that's the answer for Dan Potts, who can do more defending, and then him being more of a wide man. Obviously, it's a sort of change formations for that slightly but um, you know he's he, he, he's played at a, a lot of decent clubs and I really rated um, Wigan uh, last season that Wigan squad I thought they were they were, they were top notch so um, uh, any anyone that sort of plays for them will, will come with some decent uh, decent pedigree for for this division um, and so that's the sort of business Luton have to do. Really, they have to they have to uh, look out for these players that are on freeze and uh, and bring them in. And it's, it's it's where Luton are in the market, but it hasn't it has not a detriment to them, and it hasn't been a detriment to them. The amount of free free signings that they've had to bring in, you know, over the last eighteen months. No, that's right. And um, Tony, we've brought back Peter Kioso from Bolton. He was on the bench for the QPR game, I think it was. Um, looking forward to seeing him again. Mm, yeah, see how much he's um, he's improved. He's done well at Bolton. I think they were sorry to lose him. So, um, yeah, he, he, he's just there strengthening that right-hand side. But, of course, he can play on the left as well. So, um, it's nice to see us uh, with a few options. And I, I think losing Norrington Davies, I think, is not going to be so much of a a loss now we've got that I think Naismith um, he's actually brought us in some uh, a bit more experienced and a bit more savvy as well you know and uh, good and I, I think the future looks good for us I think you know Kyoso shows a lot of potential as well so I think we'll be alright yeah, absolutely. Uh, Simon, we're at the time of the year where the rumour mill goes into overdrive to the point where it's going to explode and uh, 
There was a few rumours, wasn't there, in the Sunday papers? Let's address a, a few of them. And I start with Sonny Bradley to Preston. Do you see any um, see anything there? I know he's out of contract in the summer, Sonny, but he's always, whenever I've spoken to him, we've had him on this podcast uh, as well. He's always seemed pretty committed to the club. Yeah, certainly get that impression. They interviewed him on Saturday, of course, after the Bournemouth victory. Um, I think the rumours are gaining some um, thing on social media against tonight, but as you say, it's you know it's it's always happening, isn't it? In the January transfer window, there's always somebody that's heard something, and suddenly it snowballs, and you find out that everybody's heard it from the same initial source, and it's just been repeated around enough that everybody believes it's true. Um, the vast majority of these rumours don't happen and then some of them do. So um, as always, we wait until we hear something official from the club. Um, I've not seen any of the the more reliable um, ones uh, message it, but uh, we wait to see. And as I say, um, you know, that would be a big loss if it, if it does come off, but I, I've not heard anything that, excuse me, at this moment in time, I'm too worried about. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of... Um... My mate's dad's works with his brother's sister's um, auntie and all that kind of thing, isn't there, at this time of year? Um, James, a rumour that, you know, is probably never, ever going to go away, but Nathan Jones had the chance to slam it shut, actually, but didn't. Christian Walton to uh, Kenilworth Road. And it's kind of at the time there was, you know, one or two things, would we cash in on Sluger and things? But he never, you know, he had the opportunity to say there and then, Nathan, look, no, no, no to Christian Walton, but he never did it. I don't know. I think he kind of, he kind of did in a, in a way that still leaves the door open. I don't think it's going to happen um, this season. Would uh, you like to see him back? Yeah, yeah, I would like to see him back. I thought he was decent. It, it, it was a bit of a miss when he went, but the fact is that they've got, um, Sluger now so unless Sluger goes I don't see that they would go in for him um, I, I just don't and that's that's if Brighton would be prepared to let him go um, you know I know they won the other day Brighton but they're not in great shape so, so they could be in the championship next season and then who knows he stays at Brighton so um, I, I don't see that happening to be honest Tony I've heard Ryan Tony Cliff to QPR how would you see that one? <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, if if he did go to QPR, it won't worry me. Um, you know, because he, he he seems to be very much a, a fringe player now. Um, you know, if 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 he were to go, I suppose it would make it easier for Morel to sit on the bench as well. Um, it, it, it wouldn't bother me if he went at all. Tony says it would be easier for Morel to sit on the bench, Simon, but not if we get our hands on a Swindon player that we've been linked with, Scott Twine. Yeah, again, I've seen, seen the uh, the rumours on that one and the reports, several interested, but, you know, we've seen that before and several interested when we've been included and then Nathan's turned around and said, no, we're not at all interested. Yes, I know who they are, but I'm not looking at actively bringing them in. There was the Scottish forward the other week and... Um, the Andre Green as well wasn't there and he's he's gone off some both of them have gone somewhere else so again the interested aspect all it needs is again one word somebody to say somebody to something and uh, something to somebody and suddenly it snowballs so you know as always let's wait and see what actually happens um, you know do we need to replace do we need you know Nathan's always said we'll only bring in to strengthen the squad um, more than 
that we've got at the moment, you know, make it better. We're not bringing in for numbers sake. So, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks or 10 days, whatever it is now, um, there'll be lots of rumours, but I'll just wait and, until we see something official. Yeah, I think it is two weeks, isn't it, till the transfer window closes. So um, I'm sure there'll be lots of these rumours doing the rounds and things, but we don't really think there's much in any of those. At least we hope not in regards to the Sonny Bradley one anyway, that is for sure. Uh, let's move on, James. There's a pandemic going on around us, as you know, as which is why we're sat here on Zoom once again. Should football be continuing? <laughs> I mean, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things about what's happening and, and the restriction on everybody's life at the moment, we're doing this over Zoom as we have done for most, well, for the entire season and back into last season. Um, then, if you if you look at it like that, then uh, and you were just purely black and white about it, then uh, you'd say no. But you know, life isn't like that it's there's there's gray areas and nuances and uh, i suppose you have to balance it against the um the the, the feel-good factor that or maybe the just the, the the mental health aspect of it you know most most football fans it, it is their it is their main um social outlet isn't it um and we all look forward to going to games uh, once or twice a week um, and you can get out whatever frustrations you, you may have as long as you do it in, a, in, in the right way um, at the game and uh, there's nothing quite like a, a, a winning goal to celebrate and and all that stuff so you know when we're all cooped up inside you know I'm fortunate enough and Simon is fortunate enough uh, to be able to go to games and report on them um, and I'm sure everyone listening would, would gladly swap places with them, but um, it isn't the same. Uh, it, not not having no fans there is it, it, there's something missing. It, it occasionally feels like uh, a glorified practice match, and um, you know to the point that uh, you know at the moment when you. You know, for, for, for us as uh, reporters and uh, commentators, journalists and whatnot, we're, we're being told to travel to games on our own, um, uh, arrive at grounds and you have to, you know, I'm not expecting anyone to get out of their little violin here, but usually when you go to these grounds, there is a press room so you can have a bit of warmth, you can have a natter to people before during uh, half time and afterwards they might serve you a bit of food and, uh, and it's a bit more of a social thing but at the minute you, you go to a game on your own uh, which ain't fine on a four-hour journey i can tell you sit in the stadium in the stands two meters at least apart from everyone else you have to sit there throughout the whole game so you can't go and get a little cup of tea at half time Again, I don't expect anyone to be shedding a tear, but when it is absolutely freezing and you've been outside for five hours, I can tell you, you feel it. There's no glamour in it whatsoever. There never is usually, don't get me wrong, um, <laughs> but there definitely is no glamour about it now. So it, it does take the shine off it, I'm not going to lie. And, and you guys are, uh, you know, as fans are gutted that you can't go and watch uh, the, the cup game at Chelsea. And 
you know, even if I'm there, I'm equally as gutted because I have covered games at Chelsea in the Premier League before and the grub is absolutely wonderful. But I'm not going to have any of that. I'm going to take my own limp sandwiches and my own coffee in a flask and it, it, it isn't quite what you really want from going to a Premier League uh, ground. Um, so that slightly did off your original question of should the games be played uh, during a pandemic? And uh, I, I think probably what I would say is if if they weren't being played, I wouldn't be that disappointed. I'm welling up here listening to all that. It's uh, all the sympathy that I've got for you, mate. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, Tony, um, more people have died from this pandemic than, have, uh, than, than you can fit inside Wembley Stadium. Barely a day goes by where someone's not cancelling their games because they've got COVID-19 issues. Should football just stop for a few weeks? This is a hard one, Kev. Um, as uh, I've, over the weekend, uh, I heard that a friend of mine um, passed away from COVID. Um, a little bit younger than me, but was uh, had his life support machine turned off on uh, Saturday morning. Uh, so it's particularly hard. Um, and when you look at things that way, you think, yeah, you know, some things are far more important than football. Um, but at the same time, is football is one of the things that's continuing to make lockdown bearable. You know, it, it gets so much worse if you didn't have football to look forward to and, and uh, you know, see your team and laugh at other teams playing out or in nil-nil draws when they're top of the league. Um, you know, it, it and you've, you've, you've still got that um, social interaction because uh, I know I've not been on it, but, you know, we, we've got a, our own Zoom chat that's set up before games where people can go into a room and can still talk about the game and talk about the game afterwards. So with that, you, you just kill it stone dead. So I, I think just purely for the benefits... Um, it should keep going. Yeah, I keep on hearing this argument that um, football's the only thing that entertains the country. Well, anyone who sat and watched that Liverpool-Man United game will soon be um, questioning that yesterday. Simon, basically, football has to carry on because there's broadcasting rights to be adhered to. Yeah, I mean, that's... Money talks, doesn't it? And, you know, whatever other thoughts and whatever is concerned, you know, the lads have made great points um and there's there's pros and cons and there's huge discussion what can continue what can't and at the end of the day there is a lot of money involved in football and that is what is is coming through at this moment in time as as part of the decision making however um from my personal point of view whether i was commentating or i was a fan watching at home um i think i'd be grateful for the football to be to be carrying on anyway um, so that you, you've got something, as Tony said, to take your mind off it to look forward to. Um, I understand what James said at, at points for regarding it doesn't feel the same at grounds because it doesn't. And you know, commentating to, in an empty stadium is very is very different. However, the feeling I had after Keenan scored on Saturday, and the feeling I had on the drive home with the three points um, coming back with us, that that was no different to a packed house being there. You know, the passion, the, the the buzz on Sunday still from having won that game was still there. 
And, you know, as much as it's horrible commentating in an empty stadium because there weren't thousands of fans behind that goal celebrating um, with Keenan and the rest of the team, it, it still gives you that buzz of the victory and it still gives you that adrenaline rush. It still gives you the weekend to enjoy in the same way that the defeat against QPR was horrible for a few days. You felt awful and, you know, so it really is difficult. And, you know, it's so many mixed emotions with things at the moment. But, um, you know, from, from from for a lot of people, I know how much the fact that they want to be at a game, but they have to watch it on TV or I follow or whatever, they having it there still is, is getting them through what is, um, you know, a really difficult time, um, you know, and there is very little else when you're on a lockdown that you can't go out and do anything, you can't meet people. Um, there is very little else to look forward to. So from my perspective, you know, I'm very privileged, as James has said, to even be, you know, at a game, but um, I would want football to continue to to help me get through the week and to, to be able to still have that buzz and that excitement and a victory and a, a winning goal like we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I can share your uh, your thoughts uh, on that winning goal, as can my poor old dog who I woke up when I um, cheered Kian and Jubilee Hall's winner. She was having a nice snooze and got rudely woken up with me shouting at the television, wondering what the bloody hell was going on. Um, James, football is going to continue then for uh, the time being. And this week is, well, it's a pain in the ass for those that like to complete the 92 football grounds because... There's two new ones coming up. Well, largely new ones. We haven't played Chelsea since football started, have we, at Stamford Bridge? So um, <laughs> we start off with um, with Brentford in their new ground. New n- new venue, different result with a bit of luck. Well, yeah, uh, you wouldn't want another one of those um, seven nillers. Um, I, I, I think it's a totally different situation um, now with uh, the way they're going to play in and actually the way that they've played against some of the better sides in the division, if you look at albeit at home, the way they played against Norwich and Preston and, and Bournemouth, home and away, actually, Bournemouth. But, uh, um, and I was kind of, I, 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 I may be tempting fate here, but they're not quite the devastating force they were last season. I still oh, expect no, them to be up don't. there. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I still expect them to be up there, don't get me wrong. And I don't imagine Luton will see a lot of the ball uh, uh, against against Brentford. But that hasn't bothered them uh, much this season. Uh, you know, they, you just have to look at the Bournemouth game. They had much more of the ball. As ever, it's what you do with it. Um, and if Luton can get an... Uh, another 1-0 away win, which seems to be their specialty at the moment, then um, then I, I don't see that they can't really. I mean, I think the mystique around Brentford was slightly um, smashed from a Luton perspective with the away victory, uh, with the home victory, sorry, last season. And that was under Graham Jones. That was before the lockdown. So they managed to get a, a fantastic result there and sort of, that probably put some of the, 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 the demons to bed from from that seven nilla. So, um, yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to see a new stadium. As I said in the last segment, I, 
I much prefer it to be full of full of fans, but um, beggars can't be choosers at the moment. No, indeed not. Tony, we've not won back-to-back games since the first two games of the season. Does that change on Wednesday night? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> hope being the operative word, though, I suspect. Yeah, my heart says, yeah, my head says, no way, no way. Um, I'll be happy with the point, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I would. James, have we given ourselves a free shot on Wednesday by winning on Saturday? You know, I think if 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 I said to you, you know, you're going to get three points from these two away games, you'd have probably laughed at me anyway. Let alone the fact that we've got three of them in the first one. Yeah, yeah, I think realistically, I mean, we won't hear that as a professional uh, say that, but you know, from a fan perspective and a, a realism perspective, I think yeah, you're probably right, and. Uh, I don't think you're targeting going away to Norwich, Bournemouth, uh, Brentford. I don't think you're targeting those games as ones that you're necessarily going to come away with maximum points. Um, it's one of those those old adages, you know, come the end of the game, if it is, say, a point you'd, or even a victory, you'd say at the start of this, we'd have been happy with a point. So, um, uh, I, but I don't. I, 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 I'm, uh, I'm not pessimistic about it. Let's put it that way, and that's uh, that's unusual. Simon, your crystal ball gave us a nice um, three points against the leaders last time he was on this podcast. Does it give us anything at Brentford? I was going to say we've taken nearly two hours to mention that. I mean, I should have slipped it in by now, shouldn't I? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you only get one mention, and you got it in the last podcast. <laughs> No, I mean, it's, yeah, the, it's interesting because the one thing I look at Brentford away in, and I said something in commentary um, against QPR when Paul Benson was uh, alongside me, was the gap between matches, you know, and that's one of the things that Nathan mentioned in his post-match as well, that, you know, had he rested too many players against Reading and therefore the players that came in had had too long a gap. Brentford have obviously had their last two games called off. Um, so, to me, there's two ways of it. They're either going to be like we were against QPR and not quite at it and up to speed, or they're going to come out absolutely raring because they've not played for a while and you know they're desperate to get back on the pitch. It's going to be a tough game. They're all tough games. Um, Bournemouth was a tough game, helped out slightly with the red card, but we still went on to win it. Um, so can we do something at Brentford? Of course, this league has thrown up all sorts of strange results. Um, so let's go in positive off the back of a great win. I think most fans would be more than happy to come away with a point at this stage. Anything more is a bonus, but let's put in a performance. Um, and who knows? Yeah, that's fair enough. Then, Tony, we go on to Sunday, uh, the FA Cup clash at Chelsea, which will revoke all kinds of memories of 1994 but thankfully Chelsea won't have Kerry Dixon playing for him in a Luton shirt this time <laughs> how do you um how do you see that going I mean you know we've just spoken about Brentford being a free hit that really is a free hit yeah I think the lads have just got to go and enjoy themselves hope for the best Chelsea are a good side but they do have off days you know hopefully they be due one on Saturday but again like I said about the previous round. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to win, but I'm not going to lose any sleep if we get knocked out, plus the 85 grand from uh, 
the BBC will come in handy. Yeah, this draws trolling me because anyone who reads my social media feeds will know I've been slaughtering Chelsea left, right and centre for the last two or three months. And of course, they're all going to come back and bite me on the arse on Sunday, aren't they? It's the way it goes. Simon, when was the last time we played on BBC? Do you know? Um, Off the top of my head, obviously, the Liverpool game was, was the Blackburn game? Blackburn was, yeah. I wasn't sure if the Millwall game was, though. Mm. Yeah, I can't think of, off the top of my head, uh, oh, the Millwall defeat after Norwich. Yeah. After Norwich, yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't recall if that may, may well have been. Um, it's, it's been a while, though, hasn't it? It has been a while, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great that they're going to be, uh, they chose it. I always thought when I saw the draw that, you know, we must have stood a good chance looking at some of the other games in there. There were six or seven that sort of stood out for me as being potential uh, TV picks. And, you know, as Tony said, let's take the money. It's at least a hundred grand, I think, isn't it? Given that even if we lose um, the prize money for losing for that round is adds on top of the 85. So, but I do slightly disagree. I don't think it's a case of going there and just enjoying it. I think it's a case of going there and showing the watching public, what Luton town are capable of. Um, What happened the last time we were in the fourth round, you know, non-league opposition beat premier league opposition away from home. Who gave us a hope then? Um, if anything, this this is less than an upset, less of an upset potential than than that game was. Um, so you know, I think we go there and let's put on a performance and let's show show the watching world what Luton Town Football Club's all about, um, uh, and make them sit up and watch. Absolutely, James. Is that is, is that how you see it when you get through the tears of what you're not going to get when you get to Stamford Bridge? <laughs> um, yeah, why not? I mean. I, I don't anticipate... I mean, Chelsea got a massive squad, haven't they? They're not going to put their top players in against Luton, I would, I would imagine. Um, so there's always... But then again, it's where the Luton put their top players in. They could play the same side that um, played against Reading. Hopefully not. Um, it, it's a massive opportunity for, for a big upset. Um, and why not? They won't have, you know, they won't have fans in. There won't be that aspect to it. Um, and Luton have got some very gifted players. If they if they're at it and they they're on song, they they could uh, they could potentially upset um, upset Chelsea. I suppose the thing about it for me overall is really these things are tailor made for fans, and that the FA Cup is 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 about fans. And when you get these plum ties. Uh, with Chelsea, they're made all the more special because of fan anticipation. A for going to these big grounds, and B for the possibility that you might um, provide a banana skin. And uh, it's not there, is it? I mean, you you, you could be really excited about watching on telly and stuff, but it's not going to be the same in the ground, is it? And um, you know, it is so disappointing that they've drawn Man United in the Carabao Cup and and Chelsea in this. Um, because the the atmosphere and the, the 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 extra stuff around the game that usually comes with it just isn't there, and you know I just I was in the ground for the Man United game, and um, that you really got the sense of how the pomp and ceremony wasn't there when you know Man United players all like hundreds of millions of pounds worth worth of them just sort of trickled out of a uh, out of the main stands because. That's where they were get they're getting changed out the back of there, and 
to to no sort of fans booing or cheering or no no electricity of it really. So um, let's hope that they can do a job um, and that we can get as as far as possible, if only for for that money aspect, because times are tight on that. James, yeah, there's, there's, sorry, Kevin, I was just going to say, James, I hope because you're going to a Premier League ground on Sunday, you'll have the crust cut off your sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, and I'll have, a, I'll have prawns in my sandwich as well. Cucumber. There's no midweek game, is there, following it, so hopefully we've got a decent side out. Um, just quickly, Simon and James, there was a, there was a question um, asked on social media by, I think it was the... Luton Town Ticket Exchange Twitter account. Um, if you could only have one, a win at Brentford or a win at Chelsea, which one would you have? And I thought it was an interesting question, actually. Simon? <laughs> I can see the debate for both. Uh, I th- <laughs> We're going to stay up this season. So losing to Brentford, uh, both games we're not expected necessarily to win. I think, therefore, money-wise, kudos-wise, enjoyment-wise, I think I would probably be steering more toward beating Chelsea. Yeah, that's that's the answer I gave as well. Um, you know, listen, we all love the fact that we're seven points off the playoffs, but let's be realistic here. We are not one of the six best sides in the championship and, you know, chances are we're probably going to finish where we are now, somewhere around 12th to 14th, and we'd all be absolutely fantastic with that. Um, therefore picking up prize money on Sunday uh, and also a shot at a team in the same division as us in the fifth round, James mm-hmm. could yield even more money. And then when you get to the quarterfinal of this competition, given that Man United play Liverpool on Sunday and they might be playing for weeks after that, based on the game that, that took place Sunday, just gone, uh, you know, the draw, the, these things, they, t- they tend to open up a little bit. You never know where you can get. I mean, you look at previous FA Cups, Portsmouth played Cardiff in the final 10 or so years ago. Mm. And I don't think many people would have expected that. So where are you, Brentford or Chelsea? Oh, Chelsea all the way. Yeah, yeah. No no qualms about that. Um, I mean, that's that's the magic of the Cup, isn't it? Like you, could, you know, when you say you beat this uh, beat this team and you never know who you can get, you never know how far you can get. And, you know... It also season, adds to the interest, doesn't it, that they've had to do the two rounds together, that you kind of know what you're getting. Whereas if we didn't have the fifth round draw already done and you go to Chelsea and you're like, well, that would be the pinnacle. But you actually know that there's that, there's that carrot dangling that there's a perfectly winnable game. And I'm not taking no disrespect from Barnsley or Norwich, but we've already been to Barnsley and won this season. And Simon mentioned earlier, last time we played Norwich in the Cup at their place, it's there, isn't it? If we do win Sunday. Oh yeah, no. The the opportunity to go a little bit further in the cup and then uh, a lot more money is going to be welcome relief. Um, you know, this this is the tie. Though. This is the one. If there's if you are to get excited about, it, even though you can't actually get into the gap, ground and you don't have that anticipation of trying to be one of the lucky few that gets tickets, this is the excitement one. And then if you if you do happen to get through, the buzz won't be quite as set the same. I think it's a uh, I, I, I don't know how, how, how fans are, uh, are feeling about it. For me personally, I'm feeling it's sort of a numbers game at the moment. And the further Luton can go, the, the more financial reward they're going to get. And that's going to be a, a massive benefit this season. They're not going to win it, I don't think. I mean, you know, you never know. You can never say never. 
but the chances are probably infinitesimally small that they're going to win it. But uh, it would be nice to claim another scalp. I mean, that would be, if they do beat Chelsea, it's a, it's a massive scalp. Absolutely huge. If we're not going to win it, I'll be the Lutonian reporter at the FA Cup final um, <laughs> in May. That's fine. So we've done Chelsea then, Tony. Um, Huddersfield at home come along. Um, pretty decent record against Huddersfield, haven't we? Um, that's a game that I would imagine with our home form, and particularly in light of the fact that we lost our last home game, uh, we'll be looking to bounce back with a win, even if they do wear blue and white shirts. Yeah, I'd, I'd expect us to get three points there. No question. Simon? Yeah, I mean, it's, as we said, you can't call anything in this league at the moment. So, yeah, you'd expect at home, um, you're picking up the, the points against teams, you know, that aren't as strong at the top. So, but then you re-expected that against QPR and look what happened. Um, so, yeah, just just not lose the home games. That's the key thing. James? That's three points, I think. Um, you've got to be trying to be, that, that's where Luton are now, though, isn't it? You, you've got, You've got to have confidence saying a team like Huddersfield at home that that's a, that's a very winnable game. Um, yeah, well, two points of drift of us though, aren't they? Yeah, but I mean, just the position Luton are uh, in the table and form-wise, uh, particularly at home, um, I, I, I don't think you need to be fearful of a team like that anymore, if ever you were. Well, ultimately, if we're going to finish mid-table where we all hope, then these are the kind of games that we do need to win, aren't they? Uh, another one of which comes following Saturday, Simon, when you get to go to the delights of St Andrews and whatever they call their stadium now for the second time this season. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, for your sake and for everyone who's watching, it's a darn sight better game than the last time you turned up there. Uh, Birmingham this time, not Coventry, of course. Um, dominated them at home. Still to this day, I've no idea how we didn't beat them. Mm. Can we go there and win and put to bed pretty ordinary performance there last season well they you know they ended they didn't end last season particularly well this season they've been very hit and miss haven't they I mean uh, you know they're eight points seven points sorry adrift of us at the moment um, it's but then they went and won at Middlesbrough the other day so again one of these sides that are picking up the results here and there oddity there's no reason why we can't go up there and win um, if we keep a clean sheet again then you know that's a starting point as bad as the game was against Coventry, we had the chances. They had the chances. You know, if we come away having kept another clean sheet there, I'll be happy. If it means that we've scored and we've won, then great. Um, but again, it, it, it's one of those strange fixtures, Birmingham. You just you just don't know what's going to turn up on the day. No, indeed. Uh, I, th- I think it's that referee for the Coventry game. I think he's, he's the problem because we had him again for the QPR game and we stunk the place out there as well. James, Birmingham away, three points. I think uh, it, it would be nice to get three points uh, considering the the performance and the day that that happened last season up at St Andrews. That wasn't very enjoyable in the slightest. Um, again, I think that that is, that is one that shouldn't hold any fear for Luton. I, I don't think that they've been great shakes against Luton. And yeah, Luton haven't got the results they probably should have against Birmingham. Um, but there's nothing in that team that made me think they were any better than Luton. So, yeah. Yeah, no, they looked a pretty poor side, actually. Um, Tony, how do you see that Birmingham game going? I expect us to get three points there. 
Um, and I'll stick with you for the uh, last game that we'll preview the, of this podcast, Cardiff at home. Another side who were in and out, uh, who are also below us in the table. Midweek under the lights. So let's get back to winning under the under the floodlights. Again, I expect three points. You know, so, yeah, they blow hot and cold, Cardiff. Uh, and we've got a score to settle with them as well for uh, earlier this season. So um, hopefully we can uh, put on a show and put them to bed. Yeah, Simon, how did you see that Cardiff game? Yeah, as Tony's just alluded to there, we have got a score to settle. You know, we lost there. Um, they are now below us, but at the time, you know, they've done us quite comfortably, didn't they? Um, so, yeah, let's beat them on our patch and um, take the three points back again and uh, move on. Yeah, James, is that how you see it? Yeah, I don't really enjoy playing Cardiff. I don't. They're, they're quite. Uh, they're very physical and it seems very effective. I think it would actually be quite a statement win if they can get points against them. Because, um, you know, even even as aesthetically pleasing as they seem to be, they 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 have tended to be up towards the, the top end of the table. And if you're realistic, I, I agree with you that I don't think that they're going to be in the top six, Luton. Uh, but if you're realistically looking up the table, then some, that's one of the teams that, uh, it would be handy to take some points off. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling very optimistic at the moment, so I'll give that a three-pointer as well. Worryingly optimistic, uh, I think it's fair to say. Simon, is there a big prediction in amongst them games of a, of a Norwich kind of magnitude? Well, the only one that can beat the Norwich magnitude is the FA Cup fourth round on Sunday, surely. You've heard it here first, peeps. We are going to Chelsea and we are going to win live on national television. And don't worry, if it happens, Simon, you will get full recognition for it <laughs> in our next podcast with, with our gratitude. Although, you know, if you if you end up on a Wednesday night in Barnsley, you probably regret uh, <laughs> regret that, to be fair. Let's finish this podcast, chaps, away from the football. Um, we said, actually, that we were going to focus on Newlands Park and Power... Uh, sorry, yeah, Newlands Park and um, Power Court. There hasn't been an awful lot of action in that regard. So we'll, we'll cover that next month rather than this one. Because of more importance, James, is a baffling decision, I think it's fair to say, uh, not to give the lease to 2020 developments at Kootenay Road. Now, on this podcast, and before we debate this, let me just stress any views that are represented in this upcoming chat are not the views of Luton Town Sports Trust. They are the views of the individuals involved. We've been quite supportive of the council, haven't we, when they were under pressure uh, with the Power Court and the Newlands Park um, developments and the delays and everything else there. We can't possibly defend the council here, though. I, I think that they've, um, in in one fell swoop, well, not one fell swoop, there's two, actually, um, because if you think about the decision regards Aldi, uh, where Luton originally wanted to put the dome uh, next to their, their training pitch at the brace, um, you know, in those two actions, I think that they've really... Um, wiped out any um, any gains they've made by um, eventually passing through Power Court and, and Newlands Park. Um, it, I, I, it's very difficult to understand what, why they would do why would they why would they give the planning permission for those two? Um, they should have and they did and, and we thank them for it. Why then um, they wouldn't be trying to facilitate 
you know, development and growth elsewhere in the town just because it seems to be it, it, it's Luton Town Football Club. Uh, the, the arguments uh, for an Audi by the training ground at the Brace and Gypsy Lane, for me, were pretty flimsy and detrimental to Luton's Power Court project, considering that they had permission for a supermarket. You know, we've talked about that at, at length, so there's no need to go into that. But the, the council had the opportunity to um, uh, get back in the good book, so to speak, uh, even though that's not the best turn of phrase, by by um, giving uh, granting lease for for this land at Cutenho Road, um, and it, it is baffling, like you say, for the the simple fact that they've denied that Luton the opportunity to do it where they wanted to, which had been close to their training grounds in the first place. And now they've given planning permission for this to happen, but denied them the lease. It doesn't make sense. Now, the thing that's the most annoying is that this was done in private. I understand, and it's absolutely right, that there should, there can and should be in planning terms and, and, and when you're talking about commercial um, projects, that there should there can and should be some aspects that need to be done in private because of the sensitivity around those commercial structures. But what I what I and probably most fans don't find acceptable, whether this is right or wrong, um, you, you, you're talking morally you now rather than you know letter of the law, is that the vote should take place in private and you don't know who's voting for what. Because the people that do these are our elected representatives. They work for us. So we should know why and their reasons why they have said yes or no to this. That, that, that I can't see would impinge on any commercial aspect of it because um, they can give a broad reason. And then we would know who it was. Um, and I think that's pretty that's pretty difficult to take. Now, I say, I say this as... Um, this is this is my neighbourhood where this is going to happen. I live um, a couple of minutes walk from Cuyano Road, and so they're they're my local representatives, and this is my neighbourhood, which would get a massive uplift from this being there. I've got young kids, so I'm not for one second saying they're going to be Premier League footballers or, or footballers at all, um, but it's the it's the um, possibility that that provides them or just the facilities that that provides them. Because as we all know, the, the club have said that they would um, offer that up for, for use for the local schools. Um, and, uh, and by the way, all the local schools were in favour for, for it. So any way you sort of add it up, the decision doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense as to why they would deny this for them. Now, Again, because it's in private, you're only left to speculate. And so those speculations will will grow and grow. And we all know uh, how bad internet rumours have proved over the pond of, of this month. Now, I'm not saying that anyone's going to be storming the town hall quite far from it, but 
it, it, it breeds a sense of resentment when you don't know why these decisions have been made. And so you have people saying, well, maybe it's because some of the councillors have an agenda against Luton Town. And that's hard to disprove because you don't know the real reason. Also, you have the fact of um, oh, at least one councillor in the power court um, uh, decision meeting who was banging on for quite some time about hooliganism. <laughs> Uh, so there's precedent there. And so you can understand why some fans might be saying that. Um, and then the, the, the potential reason I'm hearing is that they, the council want to keep it for educational land. Again, that doesn't add up because in Luton's plans was that they would give up the, the land whenever an educational development came forward. And so how does, how does that work what's where's the sense in that but even if it is for educational development there's no way that there's going to be a school built there as i say i know this area very well it's my neighborhood there is already a school either side of this land and there's another one less than a mile away there's that makes absolutely no sense for there to be a new school on that land or educational land uh, educational use Unless the term educational use is they're going to suddenly put a, a college there, I can't see that. There's already a university, again, probably less than a mile, definitely less than two miles away from it. It's not going to be that. So what is it? At the moment, it's a derelict piece of land or an unused piece of land going to waste. Now, that's not benefiting me as a local resident. It's not going to benefit my kids growing up in the area. It's not going to benefit... The town, because you're not going to get any revenue from it. It's not going to benefit the council because you won't get the uh, the prestige of having that in your area and all the commercial aspects of it. It's not going to benefit Luton Town because they're not going to be able to um, boost their academy status to to play in the Premier League games programme and therefore is going to damage their prospects in terms of a, a more sustainable model in being able to compete with their championship rivals who've got more money with them. So who is winning? Who's winning here? It just doesn't make any sense any way you cut it. And who would have thought you'd say the sentence, thank goodness for the Liberal Democrats after the 10 years that they've had? Yeah, it'll be at a national level. But they've called it in and now there's a, there's a chance that we'll actually get to hear, um, hear, hear some sense about this. Because at the minute we're left wondering, and we're just filling the gaps. We're filling this vacuum of space. We, with just a conjecture or rumour, and we don't know, and it's not good enough. Simon, James has put forward the the, 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 the Lutonian view, the, the, the bigger than football uh, view, but there is a football view to this as well. I mean, obviously, we're all enjoying James Justin's performances in the Premier League for Leicester. He's on the fringes of an England call-up, and he's come through our youth system. Today, Jack Wilshere and other guys come through our youth system, just signed for Bournemouth, re reviving his career. There are a lot of players out there that have come through the Luton Town Academy, but we're struggling to get the talent from this area and keep hold of it. Now, this development would allow us to do that and better the academy that we've already got. In turn, financially securing us for the future, if we do keep this talent coming through, is, it is absolutely essential that Luton Town get this development. Yeah, from totally the football side of things, absolutely, you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, the academy wants to progress, it wants to develop. It shows what the football club's ambitions are, that they want to invest in 
you know, a facility that not only benefits the football club, but also benefits the local community. And as James has, uh, you know, mentioned there, you know, benefits the youngsters coming through that have got aspirations and dreams of being the next James Justin or the next, you know, Premier League player that um, they've got posters of on their walls from other clubs. But it's it's needed for, for so many reasons and so many positive reasons and that's the key element in all of this, that as James said, you know, the councillors are elected to represent the people that live in the areas and the constituencies. Yet, you know, why are they going to have any reason not to want their town to be on the map, to be given some facility that the football club is enhanced and progresses, that the local community can use, enhance and progresses, and that the local council get a revenue stream from? Um, I mean, I'm not a Lutonian. I've, I've, I follow Luton. I've always been a Luton fan, but I was born in Dorset, lived in Suffolk most of my life. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm nearer to Luton now in Bedfordshire, but I'm still not Luton Bay. So the politics and the, the local area, I, I don't know that well. So uh, and I certainly can't speak for council decisions on why they've turned it down. But I totally agree with James that at least the vote should be a, a public um outcome you know we know what every mp has voted for every um debate in the house of commons you know that's public knowledge so you know when you've got a councillor that you've elected and you know i say you for, for all of you guys that live in luton and have voted for you know when you voted for a councillor you want them to be doing what you feel is is right for you as a constituent in your area um and yes the football club has got a huge impact um, and from a football perspective, it is a massive difference. And that can't be underestimated. It really can't. The, the dome is part of the requirement for the academy to go up to the next level. And it, I think it's fantastic that our board, with everything else that's going on, with all the other projects that they've got with Power Court and Newlands Park and COVID and trying to keep the club afloat and trying to get the money income and the stream, you know, to keep things ticking along at the football club, they're still pushing so much to help the local community at the same time as trying to to benefit the young players that they are going to be bringing through the academy uh, in the next few years, in the next few decades, and who knows from then on. And, you know, from that side of things, from, from an outsider to the town, that is so disappointing to see that, you know, the facility like that, that doesn't seem to have any negative impact whatsoever um, has been turned down. But as I say, I can't speak for the councillors. I can't speak for, you know, I never understood politics, I'll be honest. So, you know, it's it's baffling. It really is. And I, I've just sort of read up and seen it. And obviously the supporters trust statement has gone out and, you know, the, all the all the club um, publication, uh, press releases that have gone out. And you just look at it and you think, why? Um, and, you know, I just hope that, as James said, the Liberal Democrats have put the call in, you know, they've said, come on, what's going on? Um, again, I don't know what all the rules and regulations and the processes now are, but at least there's an option there. It's an appeal for one of a better word, isn't it? And hopefully common sense can prevail. But, um, you know, if, if there's councillors that have made this decision in the first place, then common sense doesn't seem to be uh, part of the criteria, does it? No, indeed. These days, you're probably better off not understanding politics than if you do understand it, to be fair, mate. Um, Tony, who wins out of all of this? Uh, 
Luton will win if we can get councillors to change their mind. But I mean, who wins out of this decision? Some other town that's going to get the benefit if it doesn't go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like James, and a lot of what I'm going to talk about will, uh, will be the same sort of ground James has already covered. I, I'm i lifelong Luton supporter. I'm a Lutonian. I lived in the town most of my life, but I lived the other side of the town to James. And uh, I'm very, very angry about what the council has done. Um, we know that the executive is, is mainly Labour councillors. The Labour, Labour Party in Luton need to remember that football supporters living in this town had a great deal to do with them coming to power and gaining control of the council. I feel that they've let us down with this ridiculous decision. And, you know, I'm given to understand that they actually took this vote um, against the recommendations of their officers. Now, I know enough about local government to know that putting out a reason for educational purposes can be a cover for lots of things, not just a school. Um, they could turn around and build whatever they want there. You know, and the fact that they've looked at it and said as well that it's a, you know, there's a precedent set for it. How ridiculous. How absolutely ridiculous. This could be as much as uh, some councillors feel they've been snubbed by the football club for some reason. It could be total pettiness. Um, I, you know, they don't realise that this decision puts everything else at jeopardy. And I, I, I don't mean just the future of children in this town. I, I actually think Power Court and Newlands Park as well. The fact that they've done this in secret and they've got its commercial reasons, that is absolutely ridiculous. And I fully accept that they should come out and publish who voted which way, because then we could do something about it and I urge all Luton fans and the it's not just Luton fans it's the people of Luton in Luton who listen to this podcast contact right to your local councillor be respectful and polite in the letters but let them know in uncertain no uncertain terms how you feel about this because it's absolutely ridiculous and now with my council tax head on I don't care how small or how large the amount the football club would pay in a lease for this land. They have a moral obligation to me, to James, and every other council taxpayer in Luton to look at that and to take that money. Because they've got none. They've got none at the moment. They're bleating <laughs> about not having any money, and now this just shows how ridiculous this is. We've had enough of a fight over the past few years trying to get what we need in Luton. And this is, it feels like a total kick in the nuts, to be honest with you. As a Luton fan and as a council taxpayer, I'm bloody mad about this and I will do everything in my power to fight this and make yes. them see sense. I think they, <clears throat> excuse me, I think this is going to have a lot of repercussions for them. Because I know already people are saying, I'm not going to vote for them at the next election. I certainly aren't. And I, I, I'm like James. I never thought I'd ever be sort of like the Liberal Democrats 
okay it's for a political reason why they're calling it in i don't think they're particularly that bothered about having a dome there but i never thought i'd ever hear myself saying fair play to the liberal democrats you know so i urge them to see sense before this gets out of hand for whatever reasons whether they feel that the football club has done something to upset them or or whatever see sense and turn your decision round and give the people of Luton what they want and what they deserve. You would have thought there'd be one or two of the councillors that voted for it for their own publicity and their own, uh, aren't I the good guy, aren't I the good woman, whatever, I don't know if they're male, female councillors, whatever, but they would have come out and said, well, hang on, everyone, I did actually say yes, I want this, you know, I know my constituents want this. You know, there's a bit of self-promotion potential there, isn't there? And they're hiding, they're the hiding behind, seems to have taken that. They're hiding behind this uh, vote, though, which uh, they've done in in private. And what that shows... Uh, is that standard? Is that standard practice, though? Well, well, I mean, either... Well, that's what I said at the beginning. Even if it is or isn't, morally, what it shows is a complete lack of nous and understanding about the strength of feeling around... Um, the, the football club a and uh, developments that will boost the town b um they don't and the income that they could it. get yes and that as well so there you go is another one c I, I, um, I it's a total lack of bollocks to be honest with you yeah it, it's a it's also a complete uh lack of understanding of ha- of the the repercussions as tony says of what this could possibly do now i am a lutonian <laughs> And so I'll never vote for that party in blue. <laughs> but there yeah, are I'm, other ones. I'm the you know what I mean, there, there, there are other ones. And it, it, it would pay. I, I, I would, I would as I actually stress, because there's a lot of uh, political strife in the whole nation, I would stress this is a Luton issue. So when it comes to the, the, the general election, this doesn't apply. But locally, they're making a massive rod for their own back here. And... I don't see how that is politically sound reasoning or a, a, a politically good uh, standpoint to to make decisions on. The, the problem is the decision is in private as well. Not that it has, it, yes, that it hasn't gone the right way against all obvious benefits and advice, but it's that it's done in private and that's very hard to stomach. Mm. Yeah, I guess, I mean, Simon, Simon, you're absolutely right. There is the opportunity for self-promotion here mm. uh, w- without a shadow of a doubt. So does that mean because no one's self-promoting, no one actually voted for it? I mean, at the end of the day, we don't actually know how the vote went. All we've got are a few tweets from Sean Timoney. Nothing official, just replies to people who have actually asked her, saying that the vote wasn't unanimous, but there was a majority vote. But there's no numbers doing the rounds that I've seen anyway. You know, all we know is that there's 10 members of the executive committee. So, you know, if it, if, if, it, if it's a majority, you're looking at 6-4 if everyone turned up to the meeting. But it could be 10-0 well, if, 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 no if no one's saying anything. It, nobody knows who's voted for what, which is where James's point comes yeah. in. But we, all we can deduce from that is if nobody's coming out against the woodwork, there is no one fighting the woodwork. Well, that's I think the point, list of who, who's not, there is out, about, isn't it? Yeah. They're quick. Sorry, en- one at a time. <laughs> Simon. They're, they're quick enough to jump on the bandwagon and be associated with the football club when it brings the town a bit of success. You can't keep them away from that. But when the chips are down and they're needed, 
Let's go your way. Simon. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I thought I'd read that the list of those that attended was now public, but just not obviously the way they voted. And from what I know of little of politics, there were one or two names on there that I thought had previously been very positive about the football club. So therefore, there's potentially a few, few votes that you would have expected to be in there. Sean Timoney would be one of those, wouldn't she? Of course. To be honest with you, Simon, what they say in public and what they do behind closed doors are two separate things. I mean, they'll come out and say this. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest to find out that they were unanimous in this. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. I can't prove it, but until they come out and say, this person voted that way, you just don't know. That, so the that decision- speaks to my point at, uh, at the beginning that I made, that all we're left with, because we don't know, speculation uh, uh, rumors and speculation that's not good yeah. it's not good for anyone it's not good for no. the people that uh, has been affected it's not good for the councillors that are involved it's not good for the la- labor party that it that's why the the decision needs to be transparent we need to know the reasons because you know it's the, the interests of luton and newtonians and i am one and i am that's my neighborhood they're not being served I, I, I don't, yeah, you're right, you're right, James, and I don't accept that the, the reason I said there's precedent been set and they're keeping the ground, uh, you know, the land for educational purposes. I don't accept that at all. I think that's bullshit because the football club have turned around and said they're going to provide, they've given assurances of it that schools will have access to that dome and the playing pitches there and they've also given a, a, a 12, 12 month break on the lease so that the land can be taken back. So mm. it, it's total rubbish. Total rubbish. Yeah. Let's um, let, let, let's put a wrap on this thing. There's obviously some strong views, um, and rightly so. Uh, you know, as I've wrote in a column on James's website today, the decision is mental. Um, Tony, the decision has been called in by the Liberal Democrats. Um, it now goes to the uh, scrutiny board, who can recommend it back to the executive committee, or they can take it to the full council. Therefore weight of public opinion is going to be quite not decisive on this, but it could be influential. Uh, You've written a letter via your position as chairman of the supporters trust to each of the members of the executive committee in the hope that we get them to change their mind. And it is imperative that the people of Luton now write to their own councillors to put their own support behind it. And these councillors that you're writing to, your local councillor, and, and and as our statement says that Simon quite correctly quoted earlier and, and, and gracefully read out for us on um, Saturday before the game started, uh, you, if you don't know who your councillor is, there is a link in, in our statement on our website where you can find who it is and get their email address and things. These people that you're writing to may not directly influence the decision, but they will be able to voice an opinion on behalf of you um to, to to other officers and it may well sway it so we would urge as many lutonians luton fans people of luton as possible if you really if if, if this decision has has got your back up as much as it has ours to write in respectfully and give your opinion yeah and uh, if you feel that you 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 need to you can use the letter as a, as a guide um you know, you can use it as a template, but just put things into your own words. And as I've said before, be polite and respectful. Um, you know, we don't we don't need um, 
to give them any ammunition. You know, the term hooligan has been used in the past. Me personally, I find it very offensive to be referred to as a hooligan. I'm not a hooligan. I'm a football supporter and a very, very small percentage of those associated with football, I don't call them supporters, are hooligans. And I think the powers that be need to be reminded of that. Yeah, absolutely. So please do write into your local councillor. As I say, there is a link on our website to find out who it is. Uh, That's just about it for this bumper edition, as it's turned into, of um, the the podcast. Apologies that it's long, but hey, no one's going anywhere for the foreseeable future, are they? So uh, I'm sure you'll have time to look at it. James seems to have done a Jefferson Lerma and gone for an early bath. So um, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that's happened. But my thanks go to him, to Tony and to Simon for joining us. Simon, enjoy Samford Bridge. I'm sure you will do. And um, Tony, enjoy the, the football that's to come. Yeah, thanks, Kev. Good night. Everybody. Cheers, Kev. See you, see you, Simon. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Tony. Yeah, thanks for care. listening, everyone. Cheerio.